Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 67 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Episode 67 is a special one. Today is Christmas Eve, and so I have spent a few weeks here gathering stories from listeners all around. Some of these stories are going to be heard in the parents' own words, and other ones I will read to you. I am excited to share this on Christmas Eve as just a special gift, a special little gift from all of our children, little messages or whispers from heaven. I really can't emphasize enough how impactful listening to all these various stories has been. And one thing it has really done is it has made me look just a little bit harder to see those little messages because I was thinking to myself, am I missing things? Are there things that I should be seeing that I'm just not? And it turns out there really was. So I'm going to start out today by just talking about a personal story. As all of my listeners know, Andy was killed in a car accident on a highway. We were on our way to a baseball game but that is not the only time we travel this highway. We don't go on the highway on a regular basis, but every time we travel to our cottage up north, we have to drive past the accident site. And every time it really takes my breath away and causes me to tear up. I just see those images again and it's really hard. Every year, that baseball stadium, the Whitecaps baseball stadium, has a Christmas light show. And the Christmas lights go throughout their entire parking lot, and they go to the reserve part of the parking lot as well. Uh, That is the area where the accident occurred and where Andy was killed. So just on the other side of the fence on the freeway, if you can imagine it, is that overflow parking area. And they have Christmas lights that go way out into that area. So we've traveled down that road about three times going up north since those Christmas lights went up. The first time was right around Thanksgiving and then the first weekend in December and then just this past weekend. And although we've gone past every time, I did not really look at the lights until this last time when we traveled up. Traffic was heavier, and it's always more stressful to me when traffic is heavier because it reminds me more of that night. But I found myself really looking at the exact spot where Andy died. So when I turned my head and looked to that location, I saw that just beyond that, Right across where Andy was killed is the nativity scene. The nativity lights of all of the Christmas lights. There's only one nativity scene with angels and the manger and the stable. And they put that this year right at the location where Andy was killed. And there is an angel not more than 10 or 15 feet away from the spot where Eric pulled him out of the car and laid him on the ground to try to resuscitate him. And I didn't notice it until I started looking. But once I started looking to see if there was a little sign from heaven, there certainly was. Because when I had to look at that spot, instead, I just saw an angel, an angel 10 feet beyond where Andy died. And so I knew that really was a little message from heaven. 
I didn't look for it the first two times. I didn't notice it. I have no idea if they put the nativity scene there every year or if this was the first year that that angel would be so close to the spot where Andy died. But overall, it just brought me some comfort and it made me realize how sometimes you just need to look. You just need to look for those little signs that God's giving you. Because if you don't look, you might not notice. The second story I want to share today is from Meredith, Tommy's mom. If you remember last year's Messages of Hope episode, Meredith submitted a beautiful story about her son, Tommy. In fact, she told two stories about her son, Tommy. So I do feel like it is perfect timing to start with little Tommy today. Hi, Marcy. I wanted to write in about more whispers from heaven that I have had since Tommy died. Here is my thin veil story. The night before Tommy's birthday, on November 8th, 2018, our first birthday without him here, I was looking around for something green to wear. Tommy loved the MSU Spartans, and our boys' school was going to wear green in his honor the next day. I picked out the boys' clothes, and then I went to my room to look, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw a little green matchbox car. It caught my eye because it was green, and I had green on my mind that night. When Tommy was still here with us, there would be matchbox cars everywhere, but he was the one who played with them the most often, and since he died, we didn't often find them lying around much anymore. This one was on my husband's dresser, so I went to pick it up and realized I had never seen it before. When I looked at it closely, it said birthday on the side, and I ran downstairs to show my husband. On my way down, I noticed that it also had the number three on the side. Tommy would have been three on his birthday the next day. I showed my husband and our other kids, and they also said they had never seen the car before. Here is a picture of our gift from Tommy that night. I will make sure to post a picture of Tommy's little green car on the website. That story certainly brings tears to my eyes. Um, just because of Tommy, for one, and the second reason is because green was also Andy's favorite color, probably because he also loved the Michigan State Spartans with all of his heart. So thank you, Meredith, for that submission. Next, we are going to hear a recorded message from Caleb's mom, Jamie. This is different from the Caleb's mom who has been on in the past. And in fact, we will hear from her a little bit later on in this episode. So today we get two Caleb's moms. This is Caleb R's mom, Jamie. Hello, my name is Jamie, Caleb's mom. Our beautiful, loving, and compassionate son, Caleb, passed on June 10th, 2019. It was one day and one month away from his 17th birthday. My family was at a loss as to what we were going to do for the first Christmas without Caleb's physical body. We did know that we wanted to go away, not to celebrate as we normally did. We felt as if we had no reason to celebrate anything. A few weeks before Christmas that year, I had a dream. In the dream, Caleb was about three to four years old. He was wearing a red sweater that he and his older brother had worn when they were little. In the dream, Caleb and I were in the kitchen of Caleb's grandparents' house. He had pointed at a picture on the refrigerator and said, Mama, I want to go to Charlie's Emporium. I scooped him up, hugged him, and said, Of course we can go there, baby. I awoke from the dream. I had never heard of Charlie's Emporium before. Caleb's dad and I searched it online and found a Charlie's Emporium in Crystal Falls, Michigan, a small town in the Upper Peninsula, a little over 1,600 in population and about a nine-hour drive. Charlie's Emporium is an antique store that has three levels. Caleb loved antique stores. There were other signs when we searched Charlie's Emporium as well. We found something about a screening of the musical Matilda. Our young niece Matilda had passed four months after Caleb. 
something about Pink Floyd, Caleb loved Pink Floyd as well, and something else about Denver, one of his favorite places on earth. The directions on how to get to Charlie's Emporium went through Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. That's where we spent our last family Christmas together with Caleb's physical body in 2018. Caleb's dad, Caleb's older brother, and myself decided without hesitation that we were going to Charlie's Emporium for our first Christmas after Caleb passed. I made contact with the owner, Barbara, to see what her holiday hours were. I did not tell her about Caleb. I had decided that if we were going to say anything, we would let it happen organically in person. Having never met us, Barbara kindly offered to open her store for a few hours on Christmas Eve. I felt a connection with Barbara right away. I did a little Facebook snooping on her and found that on June 10th, the day Caleb passed, Barbara had changed her profile picture to Forget-Me-Not Flowers. Before I had made contact with Barbara or looked at her Facebook profile, my sister-in-law had just been talking about planting Forget-Me-Not Flowers and a memorial garden for Caleb. We traveled to Charlie's Emporium on Christmas Eve. We entered the store and were greeted by Barbara, an eccentric, loving, beautiful woman both inside and out. She provided some history on the building, said that it was a furniture store and a mortuary in the past. She kindly looked at us and asked, So what brings you to Crystal Falls, Michigan on Christmas Eve? I immediately started to cry, and I told her about Caleb and the passing of Matilda as well. Barbara smiled and said that she was not surprised we were there. She said that she felt Caleb's presence very strongly from the moment we walked in. She said that Caleb is with Matilda. He's with other loved ones who have passed as well, and he wants us to be happy. Barbara said that there is just a thin veil between us and Caleb. She said that Caleb communicates with us through electricity, animals, music, which are things we've all had from him. Barbara was compassionate. She was so warm and so loving. She hugged us and told us she loves us. Barbara also confirmed that there was a screening of the musical Matilda recently in their small town, and that in January they were supposed to be playing Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, and The Wizard of Oz together at the local theater. Apparently, if you mute the movie and play the album, it all lines up. My husband and I had never heard of that before. However, Caleb's older brother had. He and Caleb had watched that together. We truly know that our sweet Caleb guided us to Barbara as our Christmas gift. This next email is from a relatively new listener, Tiffany from Oklahoma. And you are just going to love this one. It like the others, is so cool and amazing and made me think for a long time afterwards. In fact, it was after reading this story that I really started looking for little signs myself and I found the angel in the parking lot. So this is from Tiffany. Landry was just an amazing little girl. She was very kind, very confident, and very determined. She was a tomboy who loved the outdoors and was just an easy, laid-back child. She was outgoing and really excelled at everything she did. She was a hoot, to be sure. She loved to laugh and make people laugh. She enjoyed playing softball, showing cattle, fishing, her Oklahoma State Cowboys, and being on the farm. She dressed the exact same almost every single day in an OSU Pistol Pete shirt, jeans, boots, and pigtails. She idolized her daddy, who's a farmer and a rancher, and mimicked him in so many ways. One thing that always amazed me about Landry is how incredibly kind she was to everyone. I remember looking at her often and just wondering, how in the world did I have a child this wonderful? One of the things I'm grateful for is our pennies. Shortly after Landry passed away, a sweet, sweet friend met with me. She was the occupational therapist for our elementary school. Her son passed away from cancer when he was just 10 years old in 2007. She had been such a wonderful mentor for me. One of the blessings she shared one day was a lady told her daughter when her son Mitch passed away, 
If you see a penny, pick it up. It's Mitch's way of saying hello. I thought this would be a sweet way for our son, Lad, to think of his sister. So I shared this with Lad and also Landry's friends, cousins, teammates, and classmates. To be honest, it has meant just as much to us, us adults as it has to the kids. We have found pennies in crazy places. Our first Christmas without her, us and two other families rented a house at Breckenridge and we found a penny in the garbage disposal. Our son Lad found one at the deep end of our swimming pool shortly after it had been cleaned. I could go on and on. I was the secretary at our elementary school up until this year and kids would run in my office showing me the penny they had found. Kids and adults still share their stories of finding a penny and thinking of Landry. So pennies and the number two are the things that keep us going. Her softball number has always been number two and it pops up everywhere. There are a few things that have happened since Landry died that have taken my breath away. I truly feel like they've been signs given to us, letting us know Landry is in heaven and that everything is okay. The first one happened maybe a month after Landry passed away. My mom was on her way to our house to come and help me just get through the day. She'd been praying for God to send her some type of comfort. My mom loves cardinals. Her mother passed away about six years ago, and ever since then, cardinals have meant a lot to her. So anyway, my mom is driving to my house, and she sees a garage sale sign. But she was saying in her head, no, I can't go to a garage sale. I need to get to Tiff's house. So she's driving, and then she sees another garage sale sign, and she thought, well, I'm just going to stop for a minute. So she's looking around at the garage sale, and the man who owns the house comes outside, and he puts a basket on the table. So mom went over there to see what he put out. Inside the basket was a cardinal and a pistol Pete together, and that was all. What makes this so amazing is that everyone knew how much Landry loved Pistol Pete. She was a, a devout Oklahoma State University fan and wore her team t-shirts every day. The Pistol Pete mascot for Oklahoma State was actually at her funeral and reeled her casket into the service. So for my mom, this was just God saying, Landry is with your mom in heaven. My mother just started crying and the man said, ma'am, are you okay? And she said, yes, I am more than okay, and told him the story. The man was shocked and told her he went into the house to see if there was anything else he could put out to sell, and he saw the cardinal, so he put it in the basket, and Pistol Pete happened to fall off the shelf. So he threw that in too. I have to pause for just a second here because that blew me away. Pistol Pete did not just happen to fall off the shelf. That was very clearly orchestrated. It just goes to show how much God cares for us to send us little signs like these exactly when we need them. So now back to Tiffany's email. I have worked at my kids' elementary school ever since Landry started pre-K. We have a very close relationship with all the teachers, faculty, and the community. Landry's pre-K teacher and the pre-K aides are also very close friends. On this particular day, the pre-K teacher was at school, her aide was looking for a book, and her large, large bookshelf to read to her class. She stumbled across a coloring book that had Landry's name written up on the top right corner, so it really caught her eye. She grabbed it and thumbed through it, seeing if there was a picture Landry had colored that she could give to us. There wasn't anything colored in the book at all, but on the very last page of the coloring book, Landry had written her name underneath the caption. The caption said, I will see you soon. The craziest part is they found this August 24th, 2018 on Landry's birthday. I could go on for days with miraculous stories that have happened to us since Landry went to heaven, but I will tell you one more. This one happened to one of Landry's best friends, Addison. The two girls went to school together, had sleepovers, and played softball together. Addison went to a carnival several towns away with her grandma and little sister. They were riding in a carnival ride again and again. 
Her sister decided she didn't want to ride anymore, so her grandma and sister got off the ride. The little girl in one of the other carts asked Addison, Hey, do you want to come ride with us so you don't have to ride alone? So Addison went and got in the cart with this little girl and rode the ride. Her grandma got out her camera to take a picture and noticed on the side of the cart was Landry's name, spelled just the same and everything. It isn't exactly a common name, especially spelled with an I-E. They just couldn't believe it. Later, when they were looking back at the pictures, they noticed the number on the front of the cart. It was number two. What really struck me is the kindness of the little girl who asked Addison to ride with her. It reminds me of how much Landry was. If it weren't for the little girl asking Addison to ride with her, she would have never been in Landry's cart. Stories like this seem to happen at just the right time when we are desperate for comfort. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for those amazing stories. I just loved them and know that so many people will love them as well. And I am not sure I will ever look at a cardinal in the same way again. So next, I want to have you listen to Anna's mom. To hear Anna's mom's full story, you can listen to episode 35. I also failed to mention that Tommy's mom is episode 24. So if you want to hear Tommy's full story, you can listen then. But now we can hear Anna's mom talking about Godwinks. A few years ago, a friend of mine gave me the book When God Winks by Squire Rushnell. And it talks all about how coincidences and those sorts of things in life are really God just kind of winking at you to let you know that he's in control and he's watching and he's got you. After my daughter Anna died on Thanksgiving Day in 2000, I was worried that she'd be forgotten. We wrote a book called Anna's Friends, Lessons Learned from a Short, Beautiful Life. And that helped because it kind of put on paper forever um, our journey with her for the one year, eight months, 15 days, and one hour and 44 minutes that she was with us on this earth. And we always talk about her. Uh, the three kids that we had after she was born know her, know her story, and we talk about her openly all the time. And we know the people who were with us when she was alive remember her. But you always wonder about those new friends and acquaintances that you have. We were at swim practice, I think about a year, year and a half ago, when my 12-year-old daughter's friends uh, had heard us talk about Anna and their young daughter. I think she was in third grade at the time. She wanted to hear more about baby Anna. So while we were sitting at swim practice, I told her the story of Anna's life and how we came to find out about her Lay's syndrome and there was no cure for it and how we were holding her when she died on Thanksgiving morning in 2000 and told her that we had written a book. And so she asked if she could get a copy. We said, absolutely. So we gave the family a copy and I thought that would be kind of be the end of it. And then as we'd come to swim practice every week, um, Audrey would bring the book and she'd show me what she'd read and she'd talk to me about things that happened in Anna's life. And it was so amazing to me to see this young child who never even met my daughter become so completely engrossed in her story and our story and really understand and grasp the things that had happened. And I thought that was that was such a blessing and I came to consider it to be a God wink because it was kind of like realizing that just because people had never met her didn't mean that they couldn't grow to know her and love her like we did. This past Halloween, uh, we had that same family over uh, because we were going trick-or-treating together for the second year in a row. And um, Audrey was so excited, she came up and she gave me a gift. And apparently, she had created out of clay uh, a beautiful red rose. And roses were kind of the things that we always associated with Anna. Um, at her funeral mass, we gave everybody a rose to take home with them. 
um, because we said that, look, when you have something like a rose, it's so beautiful and so precious, and it lasts for a while, but then it's gone. But we are so blessed to have lived in the presence of that beauty and that gorgeous scent of those roses while they were here. And the fact that they're gone, we can still preserve that beauty and that memory uh, forever. And that's what we wanted people to do with, with Anna. And so here, some 20 years after Anna died, Audrey made this rose, this beautiful rose out of clay and gave it to me. And I couldn't help but smile, and I got kind of choked up. And she was so excited to give that to us. And every year from the, the last seven weeks of her life, from October 11th to November 23rd, we always have a candle going in the house just to remember that last seven and a half weeks when we were home with her and holding her and and preparing her to go back to heaven. And I have that that ceramic rose now with that candle. And I can't help but think that that is one of the biggest God winks I've ever received. Um, and it's such a blessing. Thank you so much, Kathleen, for that beautiful story. I imagine you will cherish that rose forever. So next I have another email. This one is sent from Michelle, Nathan's mom. Michelle was way back on episode number 11 when she talked about her son Nathan on Thanksgiving last year. So here is her story today. I remember a few weeks after Nathan's funeral, I was having a horrible day, wishing and praying for what would never be, like watching his first steps, hearing his first laugh. As a parent of two healthy children, it was a constant reminder of what Nathan would never be able to do or enjoy. And on this horrible day of desperate wanting and wishing that I could care for my son like most parents, I prayed for, pleaded for, begged for a sign from God that Nathan was okay. About a week went by, and as I was coming home from work one day, stopped at a red light, the vehicle in front of me was an old pickup truck very dusty and dirty, but written in the dust on the tailgate of this truck was a message that said, he is alive in the wind, safe in my arms. I froze. I had to pull over in the parking lot where I sobbed and bawled. My heart was so grateful for that small message of hope and grace. I shall carry it forever with me and know that each time I feel a small breeze and hear my wind chimes. I remember that message and know in my heart that not only does Nathan live and love, but that he is safe and in the presence of God. Thank you, Michelle. I loved hearing you talk about the wind chimes too, because I have several sets of wind chimes and every time I hear them, I think that it's Andy saying hello and I say a little hello back to him. So thanks for that. My next guest is the promised Caleb's mom, the second Caleb's mom, the original Caleb's mom, actually, who was on episodes 19 and then again on episode 49. So Caleb's mom has a few really amazing stories to share. You'll just be blown away. I know I was. Several months ago, we purchased a tree through our city's Memorial Tree Program. And it's a program that allows people to purchase the tree and the city will plant it in a local park and they maintain it and keep it up. And it comes with a plaque with your person's name. And so several months ago, we did that. Well, it was just planted probably about a month ago now. And so when I got the email where it was planted, the next day we went and looked at it and we're walking up to the tree and I'm the only one that noticed it. But as soon as I looked at the tree, there is one leaf on the whole tree, one tiny little red leaf shaped like a heart. I just started bawling because to me, that was just another one of those. I see you moments where it was like, you bought this tree several months ago. It's just now being planted and one tiny leaf and it is shaped perfectly like a heart. 
and it's red. So we just stood there for a while looking at the tree, taking pictures next to it and with it. And I took so many pictures of that little leaf because I just can't make it up. It's like, and there's other trees right around it. And there was not a single leaf on any other tree. We really loved that. And then also recently was my daughter's birthday. And so I surprised her with her friends in the garage with face masks and everything. It was just like a quick in the garage surprise. Earlier that day, since we were doing it in the garage, my husband had got the leaf blower out and blew out all the leaves out of the garage. And so after her friends had left and we were walking up the steps back into the house, she looked down and said, look, mommy, it's shaped like a heart. And there was one leaf and it was on the steps going into the house and it was shaped like a heart. And so she picked it up and I took her picture with it. And that's how she ended her birthday. It was just kind of like a happy birthday from heaven. It made her feel like he was a part of her day, even though he wasn't here. So that was very cool. And just like a big hug at the end of the day. Um, another thing I wanted to share about was how now that all the leaves are off the trees and everything, the sun when it rises in the morning, it comes right through the trees in our backyard and it makes my whole kitchen turn orange. And Caleb's color is orange because he loved University of Tennessee football. And so one morning, our, I mean, my whole kitchen was orange and the sun was shining so brightly and perfectly through the windows. And Jordan said, look, mommy, look at the kitchen. It's orange. It's like Caleb is saying good morning. That to me was just, you know, like a, she, she's starting to notice things like that. And that to me was just what I needed to get my feet moving that morning. And so just little things like that mean so much to me. And I truly do feel like God's hand is in it saying, I see you. Caleb is with me. He is okay. I love you. He loves you. And we're, we're doing this together and I see you and I know your pain and I'm with you. And also has made me think of the verse, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning from Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. But it just makes me feel and remember that he has not failed me and that every morning his compassions are new, even when I don't feel it or believe it or see it. And sometimes I feel, really feel like he has failed me. He hasn't. And he reminds me through those little hearts and leaves and sun rising and the color orange and all of those things. Thank you so much, Chrissy. Those were just amazing stories. I do want to tell people that I recorded that little bit with Chrissy and then had to go pick up my husband from work. And as soon as I got in the car, I looked up at the moon and noticed that the moon was bright orange. So that felt like a little sign to both of us after I got to talk about Caleb. If you would like to follow Chrissy Moore, you can visit her webpage and blog. That's called ajourneyforcaleb.org. So she posts a lot of amazing stuff on there. So be sure to follow that as well. I do need to take a minute here and say I was certain that I was sent a story about butterflies and I cannot find it anywhere. So if you sent a story about butterflies, please let me know. Email me and I will be sure to share that story. I'm now convinced myself that maybe I just read it on Facebook and there really wasn't a story about butterflies, but it is really bothering me. So I feel like I need to put that out there. I also want to say that I had a couple of submissions that were not from parents, that were from other loved ones who people had lost. So I do want to honor them by sharing those stories as well, including this next one. This next email was originally written to me by a friend of mine from church, Charles, about uh, his wife and a friend of hers. And then she later wrote to me herself adding a little bit of correction to what he wrote. So I will go ahead and read both of those emails here. So the first one is from Charles. 
I want to tell you about my wife, Maria, Ben's friend, and a Canal Street knockoff Burberry scarf. I never got to meet Ben. He passed away shortly after Maria and I started dating. A causality of the AIDS crisis. I met his husband, Wayne, only after he was already gravely ill, but Ben and Wayne each gave one of our kids their middle names to carry. Here's how I remember Maria telling the story of the scarf. One time, while Maria and Ben were walking along Canal Street, they found a knockoff version of a Burberry scarf. They bought the cheap scarf, which quickly became a joke between them, that cheap street vendor copy of a $500 scarf. Ben would wear it everywhere, until the day one of the many opportunistic diseases attacking him finally won the race to kill him. Since the day Ben died, that scarf has followed us everywhere. We might be at San Gennaro in Little Italy. Ben's scarf was there. Or bumming around Art Prize, especially at UICA. Ben's scarf was there. It's not always worn by a gay man. Sometimes it's even on dogs and cats. But no matter where we go, Ben's scarf, and we like to think Ben, is there with us. And then this is the email from Maria. While Charles got most of the story right and told you about my Ben beautifully, the scarf was a Christmas gift to him from me. He nearly had a heart attack when he thought I'd bought an actual Burberry scarf for, from him, for him. And yes, the joke did become something we carried until the day he left me. It's not the scarf itself that appears in odd, seemingly incongruous places. My favorite was a woman in a full pantsuit of Burberry in August at DeVos Place. Over her jacket was also the scarf. But the pattern as well. Recently, a friend posted a picture of her new manicure, a lovely fall treatment with one nail done in the Burberry plaid. Once I was done crying, I thanked her. Thank you so much for both of you for writing to me. It is awesome to know that 30 years later, you can still be touched by remembering Ben in this way. Next, I am happy to hear from Layart's mom, Rosarta. There is no question in my mind, Rosarta will be one of my very favorite uh, guests that I've ever had. She holds such a special place in my heart, and I love hearing little stories about Layart. In fact, it's kind of funny because after her original episode, she would even give me a call and say that she had had a dream that she wondered if it would have any significance for me, and oftentimes it would. So this is a little message from Rosarta on what she calls a slap in the face from heaven, not just a whisper or message from heaven. So here is Rosarta. Hi, Marcy. I just wanted to share a story from a slap in the face from heaven, I think is what you're calling it. Signs that I get from Liard all the time. There was this one night I had my nieces and my nephews over, and they're a big trigger for me because they loved playing with Liard. And I take them home, it was about 8.30 at night, and as I'm driving back, I'm crying in my car how I wish he was here and to please give me a sign. By this time, it was, you know, almost nine. And I run upstairs because I didn't want to see my boys and my husband see me crying in the car. And I run to my uh, towel closet to just run in the shower. And as I turn around, I take a towel and I turn around and I look down, there was this keychain charm that said sun in a heart right in front of his picture that I have in my hallway. And I was shocked. I have no idea how that got there. Uh, I've been walking up and down that hallway all day. I did not see it. So I definitely took that as, as a sign from him. I know he's always around. I feel him all the time. I just want to touch him. Well, thank you, Marcy. I just wanted to share that with you. Thank you so much, Rosarta. It is really just amazing how sometimes we get these little signs just at the exact moment when we need them. So 
that is really awesome timing for you and just beautiful to be able to see that kind of physical reminder of how your son is with you in your heart all the time. This next email that I have, I got from Christy. She submitted it after listening to the episode by Kevin's dad, Tom Madsen. I will just read that now. Uh, The email is entitled The Cassette Tape. Hi, Marcy. My name is Christy, and I have not lost a child myself, but have close longtime friends who have and started listening to your podcast because I want to understand better from the griever's point of view what helps them and more importantly, what doesn't. I warn you, this will be long because it's going to take a bit to explain. So please be patient with me. Yesterday, I listened to your interview with Kevin Madsen's dad, and this particular episode struck a chord with me. As I said, I haven't lost a child, but in 1984, when I was 14, I lost my best friend suddenly to an accident. I was a pretty difficult child. I was mouthy and scrappy and constantly in trouble for it, and had been expelled from several schools by the time I entered seventh grade. I always had good friends, most of whom I still talk to this day, but academically I was a mess. Then, in my eighth grade year, I moved in with my uncle and started in a new school. About a week into the new year, I met Jamie. We instantly connected and realized we were mirror images of each other, real kindred spirits. He, however, had something I didn't, that I admired. He had no inhibitions, none. Nothing embarrassed him ever. And at 14, that is the prime example for kids to be self-conscious about everything. He was not. He walked way outside the proverbial box to his own drumbeat and made no excuses for doing so. We were together all the time. He also had a sister that was one year younger, so I am still close to her this day. So about my unexplained experience. I've had many over the years, but this one is one of the bigger ones. Jamie died January 29, 1984. My parents moved into the school district that I had been in in my 8th grade year, so I wouldn't have to change again in August of the same year. I do not have any memory of this move, Because for the first two years after Jamie died, I can only recall a few scattered, quick, very vague memories. His death was psychologically very traumatic for me, and I have apparently blocked out large chunks of time. But anyway, my parents moved, and one day my mother yelled up to me that I had mail. This was weird, because I never got mail. I hadn't put in a change of address or anything, and I wasn't even sure of my new address at that point. She handed me a small yellow envelope, the kind with bubble wrap on the inside. There was no return address, and the writing looked like a six-year-old had written it, block letters. Inside this envelope was a cassette tape, nothing written on it, no note attached to it. It was rewound to side A. There was one song on it, nothing else. The song wasn't popular, and it was never aired on the radio, but it was performed by Jamie's favorite group, Genesis. He idolized Phil Collins, had taken drum lessons since he was seven, and wanted to be not a drummer, but a percussionist. Here is the song. You can look it up on YouTube if you want to hear it as well. The song is entitled Open Door. I see your smiling face by the open door and the morning light shining in your hair and in your eyes. Just a little way behind that smile of yours, I see another one. Oh, so far away. If only for one second I could hold you close to me. When the master calls for me again, there is nothing I can say or I can do. Goodbye, my love. Time has come to say farewell. I hear the call again. Goodbye to the world I sheltered for so long. There's so much feel that I can never say. And in a little while, in a little while, there's nothing left to see. As the years go by and I have not returned... And the night has come, falling all around. If you count the stars, you'll know how many have gone out. But when the master calls for me again, there's nothing I can say or I can do. Stand in the sun, shut your eyes, and feel the world is changing every day. Goodbye, my love. Each day must seem so long. There's so much, my love, that I can never say. I can't see you. I can't feel you anymore. I've just a memory of that open door. At first, I thought one of my friends sent that to me, 
and I questioned everybody. At one point, I even got angry because no one would cop to it. But then I thought, how would they know my address? I didn't even know it yet. So if none of my friends sent it, where did it come from? Jamie didn't know he was going to die that day. And the day I received the tape, it had been nearly eight months that he'd been gone. There's much more to this, but you get the idea. It's been 36 years, and I still have no idea where it came from. And I still have it. Thank you for letting me share my story. I believe our loved ones visit us any way they can, as long as you pay attention. Thank you so much for writing that in, Christy. I loved reading it. And I love knowing that this podcast can also help people who are just trying to understand and trying to support people they love who are going through this tragedy. The next recording I have to share is actually from Kevin's dad, Tom, who was really the inspiration for the last submission. So he is reading an excerpt from his book. Again, you can buy his book on Amazon. I have links that are attached to the episode that I did with him, episode 65. So now you can listen to Tom share his memory. As background, Relentless tells the story of our son, Kevin, his battle through cancer, his passing in June of 2018, and all the ways that he has shown up for us since he passed. The title of this short chapter is Bat. One evening in September 2019, something outside the view window overlooking our deck caught my peripheral vision. I cocked my head over in that direction. It was dusk, the sun had set, but the sky over the horizon was still pale light. A bat wheeled and circled around the oak which grows through the hole at the center of our deck. We had lived in this house for almost a year and a half. This was the first time I had seen a bat. I watched the creature for three or four minutes. It wheeled and dipped and whipped this way and that, circling the oak the whole time. Of course, I've seen a number of bats in my lifetime, flitting and diving, seeking whatever insect prey that I could not see. Their maneuverability and stamina always impressed me. They're quite entertaining to watch. But our bat on that September evening flew with abandon, with zeal, with joy. Joy was the word that popped into my mind as I watched its display. Look at me. Look what I can do. Four days after that, Marilene, my wife, had a phone reading with a psychic medium in England. No, we do not seek sessions with every medium who crosses our radar, but in this case, a friend we trust had referred us, and Marilene took a stab at it. She had had this phone appointment set up a week or so before, so to be clear, this appointment with the medium was set up well before the episode with the bat. Now, several things this medium shared resonated strongly with Kevin. By this time, we were convinced enough of the legitimacy of the practice of mediumship that we were not often bowled over by things. Some mediums were less impressive, to be sure, and we would not return to those. But others shared things that felt like a jolt from a light socket. At one point in this reading, the English medium said to Marilene, I'm getting a bat or bats. Have you seen any bats lately? Marilene admitted that yes, we had seen one just a few nights before for the first time since we had been living in this house. That's him, Kevin says, shared the medium. He says he sent the bat as a message. So obviously there's no way that medium could have known about the bat unless she had that connection with Kevin. And the fact that we got that message from him and that the bat had exhibited so much joy and abandon, well, this whole anecdote really lifted our spirits that day. Thank you so much, Tom, for that submission. The next recording is from Luna, Hunter's mom, from episode 57. 
Luna talks about a sign that she feels that she received from her son, Hunter. So I've been doing um, writing where I, I basically allow Hunter to write through me. And one day I was writing and for like 45 minutes. And then I looked up at my computer had gone dead. And the only thing I could remember from 45 minutes was that he said to me, I'm kind of sorry to tell you this mom, but there's going to be a major medical situation that you're going to go through. And I need you to know that it's going to be okay, but it's going to be intense. A week later, Amy thought she had COVID and was very sick. And she ended up in the hospital and I was sitting in the hospital and they came in and they said, well, she either has COVID or spinal meningitis. And I just had this intensely loud no in my head. And it was like, okay, you told me that there's going to be a major medical situation and that everything was going to be okay. So I'm going to say, no, we're not doing a spinal meningitis test. And no, you don't have COVID. And I had such confidence in my knowing that he had given me that message a week before. And then here we are in this situation, somehow getting tested because it was it was horrible. But when, as soon as we said no, it was like, we just said, okay, we're going home. We're going to handle this. Her COVID test came back the next day negative. She was fine. And we were, and it was just this connection point of how interesting that he gave me this information that I still had one more thing I had to go through that wasn't going to be fun in 2020 and that it was going to be okay. That's how he comes through sometimes. That was the first time he, he came through in a way that wasn't really um, positive, And yet the outcome was very positive. Well, that's very cool. <laughs> yeah. And just so crazy. It's so funny how you sometimes just know things and then you just feel very strongly. So that's nice that you could get something so clear like that. And trusting it. It's learning. I think part of the art that maybe many of us are getting when we lose a child is how do we learn to trust there's still a connection there Mm -hmm. and honoring that in whatever belief system you have, but it's powerful. Thank you so much, Luna, for agreeing to talk with me and give me that little story. You will also hear a lot more from Luna next week on the What I Wish I Had Known episode. So I certainly look forward to sharing that with all of you. The last submission just came a little bit ago. In fact, I am putting the episode together, the final touches together, just the day before Christmas Eve, which is far after my plan. So it's pretty neat that Sophia's mom got her recording in really just in time. So here is a little bit about baby Sophia and the messages from heaven that her mom has gotten. My daughter Sophia was born on April 20th, 2019 with a very rare a genetic disorder called junctional epidermolysis bullosa, um, or EB for short, and what it meant was that all of her skin and membranes, both outside and inside her body, were extremely fragile and could tear at the slightest friction and blister and wound Um, and really would not heal. The type of EB that Sophia had was considered terminal in infancy. And Sophia, she fought it for a little over a year, and she fought EB and all the pain that comes with it somehow with smiles and giggles that you wouldn't think were possible with a little girl facing the amount of pain and suffering that she was facing, but she did. And still, uh, eventually, it just became too much for her little body. And a few weeks after her first birthday, she knew it was time to go home to heaven. And in those first few weeks after she passed away, what I really just needed desperately to know and to feel was to know where she was and that she was okay and that we were still together. And I remember just a day or two after she passed away, I was just kind of 
pleading to her, you know, to tell me where she is and to tell me if she's okay. And shortly after that, I opened my laptop and one of the tabs was open to one of the videos I used to play for her on YouTube, Super Simple Songs, which I know a lot of parents know of, and it's just hours of silly songs and videos. And the clip that happened to be on the screen when I pressed play was um, kind of a little, like a little peekaboo with a mommy and a baby. And the mommy was saying, where is baby? Where is baby? And then the baby pops up and says, here I am. And I just felt like Sophia was telling me, you know, mom, I'm right here. I'm, I'm okay. I'm still with you. And that is like absolutely what I needed to hear in that moment. And another time was shortly after that, I was walking around the neighborhood because that's what kind of gave me peace and some sort of comfort. And this butterfly, this beautiful yellow butterfly came fluttering up next to me. And a butterfly always reminds me of Sophia because her disease, the children are known as butterfly children because their skin is as fragile and as beautiful as a butterfly's wing. And so this beautiful yellow butterfly came up fluttering next to me and, you know, I thought of Sophia and I kept walking and this butterfly stayed fluttering right next to me for, I would say, at least half a mile, you know, just by my side. And that has never happened to me before where a butterfly just follows me for that long, you know, and I, I thought again, you know, Sophia's, it's a sign she's telling me she's here and that we're together. And so I pray to her all the time for these signs because these are really what keep me going and will give me hope. Thank you so much for submitting that last story. I did get my butterfly story in after all, so that was really nice. Thank you again to all of the wonderful people who sent these little messages of hope. I hope that they brought you as much comfort as they did to me when I heard them. I do have one last little Christmas gift to offer. If you remember a few weeks ago, Gwen introduced her new business that she has. That business is called Your Grief Guide. And in it, she has a video series of three videos to really help you help people along their grief journey. And I bought some coupon codes in order to help support her business and give a gift to some of my listeners. So if you would like one of those coupon codes to be able to listen to Gwen's three-part video series for free, please email me at marcy at andysmom.com. I bought 10 different codes, so I can give those out to 10 different people. So feel free to reach out. I know that they will be so helpful to the people that can listen to them. And I feel like it was a little Christmas gift that I could give out to other people. So as one final thing, wait until the very end and you can hear my Andy singing the last verse of Away in the Manger on Christmas Eve. Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.